podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to Two Footed Podcast. It is Tuesday, the 25th of May, and we're brought to you, as always, by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, or just keep your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk for any giftware or homeware needs. Right, folks, breaking news this morning is that Tottenham are supposedly in talks with Roberto Martinez uh, about becoming their new manager. Now, this, to me, is a little bit of an odd one because you would have thought that Tottenham, having been without a manager now for quite a while, would have wanted the new manager in early to start planning for the summer. Martinez is going to be at the Euros. He's not going to be available till the middle of July. Now, he's done well with Belgium. He's won 78% of his games, give or take. Uh, 54 played, 42 won. He got third in the 2018 World Cup, which was a pretty good achievement when you consider, you know, they beat England in the group. Uh, They beat Tunisia. They beat Panama. Those aren't big achievements, but beating England is. They scraped by Japan in one of the more exciting games of the competition. They were quite fortunate not to go out, having been 2-0 down. They beat Brazil, and it was a poor Brazil team, but they did beat Brazil 2-1 in the quarterfinals. Lost to France 1-0 in the semis. Obviously, France went on to win it. And then they beat England again in the third and fourth place playoff. He's done a decent job with the Belgians, but it is an incredibly gifted Belgian team. Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku. It will be hard not to do well with that group. His last Premier League job, the last time we saw him in England, was with Everton, where he did not do so well. He had a good first season, and then it all tailed off and went quite poorly. He ends up with a 42.6% win ratio. That's off the back of coming from Wigan, where he'd won 29% of his games. He did win the FA Cup, and obviously that's a huge achievement with Wigan, but Wigan did get relegated. He won League One with Swansea in his first managerial job. To me, I think he's a poor man's Brendan Rodgers. I think he's got the right ideas. I think he wants to play good football. I think defensively, his teams tend to be a bit of a mess. I've never seen him build a team. He tried it at Everton and failed. Wasn't successful at Wigan, obviously with with the fact that they went down. It seems a strange appointment. It seems like an appointment that's settling for Tottenham. 
you feel like they could do better. I think Nuno would be better. Allegri would obviously be better. Sarri would be better. Ten Hag would be better. It is Sky Sports reporting this, so you do take it with a little pinch of salt. But it would be a very Tottenham thing to do. Tottenham don't need massive surgery this summer. They do need, they do need a bit. A lot will depend on what happens with Harry Kane, the decisions that are made around Gareth Bale. Will Deli Ali want to stay? You feel like Martinez will get quite a lot out of the attacking players at Spurs. You feel like they'd enjoy playing for him. The problem's going to be structure and defensive solidity. You have to be good defensively in this league. You have to be. Otherwise, you're, you're not going to win anything. You're not going to compete. You have to be good defensively. And he's never shown that he can be good defensively. His time at Everton, they were a lot of fun going forward. But defensively, they just they did struggle. And that was his undoing in the end. He has made it clear he does want to leave the Belgian job at the end of this uh, Euro cycle and return to club football. But this, this to me just doesn't seem like the right way to go about it. They finished, Everton finished fifth in his first season. And that was a tremendous achievement. Um, they finished one spot above Tottenham. But he'd inherited David Moyes' team, which had a really strong inbuilt defence. The following season, they finished 11th. And the defence got markedly worse. They conceded 50 goals, having only conceded 34 the season before with what was Moyes' defence. You look at the players brought in that first season when they were, you know, feeling quite good about themselves. They bring in James McCarthy, uh, worked for a couple of years. Then he obviously had injury problems. Aidan McGeady didn't work at all. Uh, Joel Robles, he's an average goalkeeper, didn't really work. Alcaraz on a free didn't work. And Aruna Kone didn't work. He brought in Lukaku on loan. They got Gareth Barry on loan. Delefeu on loan. Those signings worked. Those were interesting moves. I still don't understand why they let Delefeu go when they did. The second season, they make the Barry deal permanent. They bring in Mo Besic. They bring in Lukaku. Brandon Galloway comes in. And Edu comes in on a free. Etu doesn't work for them. Galloway is a young player, never really makes his way. Lukaku obviously works brilliantly for them, and they would end up making a fortune off him. But that third season then, it's 11th place again. Defensively, 55 goals conceded. So each season they're getting worse defensively. But they are fun going forward, but they only, they only finish 11th. Across the Premier League season, they only won 11 games from 38, lost 13, drew 14. The signings didn't really work from that season either. Tom Cleverley. Mason Holgate was brought in but didn't really play a whole bunch. Funes Mori. I know they made profit on him, but he was a poor player. Omar Nias. Uh, you know, Shani Tarazaj. These aren't signings that worked for them. She's got a pretty bad record in the transfer fee over uh, the transfer market overall. Lukaku's the big success. There's a couple of other success that, success stories there, but the majority of these players didn't work. 
He gets sacked towards the end of the season. And it just all turns into a damn squib. To me, this just seems like settling for Spurs. That's That would be my opinion of, of it. If Wolves were going to get him, I would say, okay, fair enough. Your mid-table team, you want to have some excitement. Got some f- fun attack play- attacking players in Adama, Pedence, Vitania if they keep him, Jimenez when he's back, Neto when he's back. They could be a lot of fun going forward. They're bad enough defensively as it is. But Tottenham, surely the aim has got to be to try and win things. At least a challenge for the title, if not win it. And to me, Martinez is not going to get you there. It's an interesting one. Uh, Wolves, speaking of them, they are rumoured to be closing in on talks with Bruno Laga to uh, replace Nuno Espirito Santo. Former Benfica manager, won the title with Benfica, had two successive runs of 18 wins from 19 games. When things are going well, he's very innovative. He seems to make things work. When things turned against him, they went in a really poor run. They won two from 10, and that's what led to his dismissal. Um, But he did play a massive part in the development of Joe Felix. So with a lot of young players at Wolves, in terms of you know the attack-minded players, Neto, Vitania, even the wing-backs, if they keep Aitnuri, Hoiver, um, Neves is still quite young. Those players could all improve under him. Now, there is a story in The Athletic today that suggests that Wolves expect Neves to leave and that they expect to get a fee for, of about $35 million. That, to me, is a bargain. For a player of his, his quality, that would be an incredible bargain. Now, I don't know where that offer is going to come from, if you have a look around Europe, there's not a whole bunch of teams crying out for that type of midfielder. You look at the Premier League, he wouldn't be a great fit at City. United could use him, but they'd also need to buy a ball winner to go next to him. You could play the two of those with Bruno Fernandes ahead. That could work if you could get... If they could buy Basuma as an example as well. Now, United fans might scoff at Basuma and say he's not of the level... But as a ball winner next to Neves, those two would create a really good platform for Bruno Fernandes to go and play off. They're going to use Paul Pogba off the left. That would work. If Rashford is off the right, again, it's not ideal for Rashford. But those three in front of that midfield platform could be something that's very effective. You wouldn't imagine Liverpool would be a good fit for them, given how they play, given the presence of Alcantara. Chelsea, again, not an ideal fit. What they need is more of a ball-winning holding midfielder rather than a, you know an inventive passer like him. He might have been a nice fit at Leicester, um, but they are bringing in Bubakari Samari. Now, there's rumours that Yuri Thielemans could be on the way out, that he has a Champions League escape clause and that the fee would be less than Leicester might want for him. Tottenham, him and Heusberg would be an awkward fit. West Ham wouldn't have the money. He could be really good at Everton. He could be really, really good at Everton. He could be good at Arsenal. But you'd be asking Partey to be more of a ball winner than, you know, what you bought him to be, which is a box-to-box player who's valuable in the final third. 
Everton of the kind of the bigger clubs in the league, shall we say, might be the best fit from Leeds wouldn't be a great fit. Him and Calvin Phillips would be a lot of overlap there. Of the teams that finished in the top half, Everton's probably the best fit for him. You put him at the base of the midfield and you get Alan and Decoury doing the, all the work for him. That could be very, very good. Whether he would have interest in that, I don't know. We look around the rest of the leagues. I mean, maybe Atletico Madrid, but they do have Koke, who performs a similar enough role. Real already have Tony Cruz. Barca have Frankie de Jong, a ball-dominant midfielder. Sevilla would be unlikely to have the money, but could be a good fit, although Jordan does play a similar enough role, and nobody else would be of interest there. Bayern, I don't think so. I don't think he's the right fit. Leipzig won't spend that kind of money, neither will Dortmund. And I don't imagine Wolfsburg would either, and I don't think he'd go to Wolfsburg. Inter, maybe. Maybe. You play Barella, him, and one other. Brozovic, probably. That's probably it. Milan already have Tonali coming in, and they have um, Benister, so they don't need him. Atalanta, unlikely to spend that type of money. Juve, it's a possibility. And after that, I don't think so. I don't see anybody in in France wanting him. The only one that could afford him would be PSG. And we already know they have Verratti. So, again, that's unlikely. They also have Paredes. No one in, in Portugal have the money. No one in Holland would have the money. No one in Russia wouldn't go to Greece, wouldn't go to Turkey. I don't think they'd have the money from anyway. Uh, maybe Besiktas or Galatasaray could cobble it together, but I don't think so. Um, so it's hard to see where he goes at this point. Coming off a fairly disappointing season, even at $35 million, which is a bargain price for a player of his talent, I think Everton would be the only real fit for him, unless Ndidi was leaving or Tielemans was leaving Leicester, in which case you play him with Ndidi and Samari, let them just go and wreck everybody, play him at the base of a diamond, those two in the engine, Madison as a 10, and then Barnes and Vardy or Barnes and Iheanacho up front. I mean, that could be a lot of fun. That would be quite similar to what Liverpool tried to do at one point with Alonso at the base of a diamond. Um... Momo Sissoko and Mascherano as ball winners and Gerard at the tip. Now, obviously, Madison's no Gerard, and none of them are, are Alonso or Mascherano, but it's the same type of setup. It could work. could be quite interesting. They have a very attacking pair of fullbacks. Though, considering Rogers seems set on playing Castanier as his right wing back, I'm not really sure what he's planning to do with Ricardo Pereira. Maybe Pereira will leave as well. Uh, but they'll need a, a left wing back then, or a left back if if possible. Um, that seems to be most of the news for today. We are going to have the England squad announced in about 15 minutes. So when that comes out, we'll talk about it. But what I wanted to do today was have a look around the other top leagues in Europe and just see who's done what, who's won, who's lost, who's gone down, whatever. We know what happened in the Premier League. Manchester City win the title. United, Liverpool and Chelsea qualify for the Champions League. Leicester and West Ham into the Europa League. Tottenham into the Europa Conference League with Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United relegated. 
the season was compromised, obviously, because of COVID, but I don't think it plays out that way if everybody doesn't have the insane injury problems that most clubs suffered. I mean, the only ones that really got quite fortunate with injuries this year, City, United, and Chelsea. West Ham to an extent, but they did lose Antonio twice and Declan Rice, which you could argue is what cost them top four. Um, Tottenham didn't have too many major injury problems. Kane did have a spell out. After that, Arsenal were a little bit lucky, but they did lose Tierney at one point. Um, Gabriel had a couple of injury issues. Partey had two, two injury problems. So they did have some struggles and Leeds were, how Leeds got ninth with the injury issues they had at centre back this season. I don't know. Everton were decimated as well at times. Uh, moving on, La Liga. So Atletico Madrid crowned La Liga champions, uh, 86 points, two clear of Real Madrid. And then another five points back to Barcelona in third, Sevilla in fourth. They're your Champions League qualifiers. Real Sociedad and Real Betis into the Europa League and Villarreal into the Europa Conference League. Now, Villarreal are in the final of the um, Europa League this year. If they win it, they go into the Champions League next year. And I believe Celta Vigo then take their spot in the Conference League. Massive achievement for Real Betis to get into Europe. Uh, a goal difference of zero. 50 scored, 50 conceded. Sociedad started the season brilliantly. Were top for five or six weeks. Then Atleti took over and they've pretty much led the way the whole, the whole time since. Uh, very deserving title for Diego Simeone's team. Huesca, Valladolid and Ibar all relegated. Sad to see Ibar go down. They're one of the great stories in Spanish football. If you haven't read it, uh, Ewan McTeer has a book, I think, called Ibar the Brave. Um, it's very, very good. Well worth your time. It's the story of how a club that really have no business in the top flight find their way into the top flight. Their stadium has a capacity of 8,000 people, 8,164. Um, Ibar is a small town. It's not a city. They they call it a city, but it's a town. There's 27,000 people live there. It's in the Basque country. Um, 27,000 people. Just think about that. Anfield holds double that. Their whole town would fit into Anfield twice. Um, up they came, up they stayed fought their fight, they go back down, and hopefully we'll see them again. Uh, jumping on to the Bundesliga then, Bayern Munich win the title again. Uh, I think that's nine in a row for them. Leipzig second, Borussia Dortmund end up third, uh, Wolfsburg fourth, so there's your Champions League qualifiers. Eintracht Frankfurt and Bayer Leverkusen in fifth and sixth. They will get the Europa League and then Union Berlin get the Conference League. Union Berlin is one of the great stories. They're a fantastic club. You should look them up. But if you look at the top six and Borussia Mönchengladbach in eighth, seven of the top eight teams are going to have different managers next season. Bayern Munich, Nagelsmann is going there. RB Leipzig, Jesse Marsh replaces Nagelsmann. Uh, Borussia Dortmund sacked Lucien Favre early in the season, went with the caretaker approach. Marco Rose is going there. For Wolfsburg, Paul Glasner's done an incredible job, but he is leaving this week by all accounts. 
Mark van Bommel seems to be the name mentioned. To me, that seems like a cop-out appointment. Not a very good manager. Um, so they will change. Eintracht Frankfurt. Adi Huther has decided to leave. He is going to Mönchengladbach. Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Peter Bose was there. He was sacked. They have appointed um, Sione, who was at Young Boys. Really talented manager. Done brilliantly at, at Young Boys of Bern. Really smart appointment for them. And then for Gladbach, obviously, Marco Rose going to Dortmund and they're getting Hooter. So a strange, strange situation where seven of the top eight clubs change managers. And when you look at it, Leipzig fell apart when the Hasenhutl thing was announced. Dortmund, um, Wolfsburg had that continuity. That got them in the top four. Frankfurt fell apart when Hooter announced he was leaving. Uh, Freddie Bobic, the director of football, he's also leaving. The president came out, had nothing good to say about either of them. Um, and Gladbach fell apart when Marco Rose's departure was announced as well. It's a weird thing to announce that your manager is leaving and to announce that you're hiring someone else's manager in, like, March. To me, it's it's just bizarre. I, I understand that you want to get these things in place, but it creates havoc. And it really does favour Dortmund. And, sorry, it favours Bayern more than Dortmund. The Bayern just continue to dominate this league. Um, Cologne will go into the relegation playoff. Werder Bremen and Schalke, two historic clubs, will head down to the second Bundesliga. It's a big blow for the Bundesliga to lose two massive clubs like that. And there are, I think now, I think it's seven. Seven stadiums, I think, in next year's second Bundesliga will have a capacity of over 40,000. And if Cologne go down, that would be eight. Um, so it's going to be a very competitive league. I don't know if we'll see Werder or Schalke bounce back up. Werder have got a lot of problems. They've been badly run for a couple of years. It's a bit of an old boys club where former players are in all the positions of power. Similar to Bayern, but without the money behind them. Uh, Schalke are mired in debt, I believe about 200 million. And their, their performance this season was horrendous. They won three games, 16 points, conceded 86 goals. Absolutely shocking and had been coming. It had been coming for them. Um, Syria Inter Milan win the title and Antonio Conte in typical Antonio Conte fashion dedicated the title win to himself. That's the type of thing I like to see. AC Milan end up second, Atalanta third, and Juventus sneak into the Champions League in fourth because Napoli let the whole world down. All you had to do was beat Verona, who are average. They're mid-table. They were on the beach, and you still failed Napoli. Uh, Gattuso is out at Napoli. Sergio Conceição is on his way from Porto. Uh, Pirlo may get a second season at Juve. You'd imagine the top three all keep the managers. Simone Inzaghi, that's the name that was mentioned last week, is one of the favourites for the Spurs job. I think he would have been great. If he doesn't if he doesn't take that job, I assume he stays at Lazio Napoli and Lazio get Europa League. And then Roma, who know that they've got Jose Mourinho coming in, will be in the Conference League. Very competitive Serie A season this season until Inter pulled away. Um, but you've only got two points separating second and fifth. 
really, really strong season. The two Rome clubs are, you know, they're competitive. They're not particularly good. They do have good squads. It'll be interesting to see next year if Lazio can bounce back. They've been better than they've been this season. Um, they've got quality players. Roma have quality players. The Zaniolo injury, though, killed them this season. They get him back, and if they can add a couple of pieces, and if Mourinho can sort that defence out, 58 goals conceded will not be acceptable under Jose. It is possible that they can push their way up into the Champions League spots. Um, Benevento, Crotone, and Parma all relegated. Shame to see Parma go. If you grew up in the 90s, you would have fallen in love with those Parma teams when watching Gazzetta Football Italia. Zola, Brolin, and Tino Espria, that team. And then you had the one with Buffon, Cannavaro, and Turam. Two very different teams, but both very successful for them. They've obviously been through the mire with you know, lots of financial problems. They were liquidated. They had to reform. Parmalat scandal. Read up on that. It's fascinating. But a great club. And good to see them back. Now, at least in financial stability, they'll go down, but they'll have a chance to come back up under what seem to be good owners. And then uh, the final uh, of the, the big five leagues is Ligue 1, where Lille were crowned champions. One point clear of Paris Saint-Germain. Monaco finished third. They will be the Champions League winners, as Champions League competitors. Then Lyon and Marseille in the Europa League, Stade Rennes in the Conference League. Unfortunately for Lille, that team is going to get broken apart, and it does look like the manager's going to leave Galtier to, to Nice. Sumari's leaving. Botman could leave. There'll probably be a couple of others. The problem with this league is that when a team is able to compete and overthrow PSG, they get broken up because the financial nature of the league dictates that they have to. To survive, they have to sell players on. This is what allows PSG, who don't need TV revenue, who don't need matchday revenue, who don't need commercial revenue, this is why they can stay on top and dominate the league. It's pretty much the same thing as Bayern, except Bayern do obviously heavily rely on the commercial side of things. But the reason these teams, like Bayern and like um, like PSG, and like Juventus for many years, have been able to dominate their league is because they can keep their best players. They don't have to turn around and sell them every time. Lille have had an incredible season. They've won a title. There's probably the manager and at least three of the starters won't be there next season. You look what happened to that Monaco team. Bernardo Silva was out the door before before the season had even ended, that, that deal was done. Uh, Mbappe was away to Paris Saint-Germain. Bakayoko went to, to Chelsea. Then Giamatino to Wolves. Fabinho to Liverpool. Lamar went to Atletico Madrid. Mendy to, to Man City. That team just got, got split apart really quickly. And you fear the same for this Lille team. And that's why PSG can stay on top is because they don't need to worry about it. It's why, you know, you look at, at Klopp winning the two titles with Borussia Dortmund and then Kagawa is sold, Sahin is sold, then, Gun- then uh, Gotts is sold, Lewandowski leaves in a free. All these players just leave because the clubs they're at, the likes of a Lille or a Dortmund, they're not paying the elite club wages and they operate on a, a buy to develop and sell mandate. That's what Lille have done brilliantly. In the last couple of seasons, 
What's really remarkable about this Lille title is if you look at the last two summers and you look at some of the players that they've sold, like Nicolas Pepe. I mean, they sold him for, what, 72 million? Gabriel, so good for them last season. Off to Arsenal, they bring in Botman, they get better. You look at the summer just gone, and they sell Osimian to Napoli. Timothy Weah leaves. Oh, sorry, Timothy, Timothy Weah arrives to replace him. It didn't really work with him, but Jonathan David came in and he did well. Um, they brought, bring in Yasiki. He's done brilliantly for them. Rafael Leao, they sold him. They sold Thiago Mendes, sold Yusuf Kune. Sold Anwar Al-Ghazi, and he'd been on loan at, at, at Villa before that. But summer of 2019, they sell Mendes, who's a starter, Kone, who's a starter. Both of them go to Leon. Uh, to Leon. Nicolas Pepe to Arsenal. Rafael Leao goes to um, Milan. And they just reload. They bring in Weya. They bring in Leo Jardim. They bring in Benjamin Andre, who's been really good for them. Braderich they bring in, they bring in Osimian, they bring in Thiago Jalo, uh, and Yusuf Yasiki. Then last summer, like I said, Osimian leaves. That's a, a huge profit for them. Gabriel leaves. But they bring in Jonathan David. They bring in Sven Botman. Burak Yilmaz obviously played a massive role for them as well. So they've done this. They've been selling their best players. For a couple of years and then just reloading, reinvesting that money. It's incredible how they've done this. And Campos, who's the was the director of football, left in, in December, was the architect behind all of this. His previous job, he was at Monaco, where he was the architect behind the team that also beat PSG. So I guess if you want to have success in France, hire him. Hire him as your director of football. Give him control of recruitment. It's possible that Nice might look at him now. Nice have a lot of money behind them. They're owned by Brit Britain's wealthiest man. If Galtier is going there, they've got a good working relationship. So it, it would make sense for, um, for them to appoint him. Right, the England squad is out. And Mr. Drinkle has kindly posted it for me. So let's have a look. This is the provisional squad. So they've gone with four goalkeepers. It's already looking bad, folks. Dean Henderson, Sam Johnston, Jordan Pickford, Aaron Ramsdale, two of whom, sorry, three of whom have had poor seasons. I don't care what people say about Sam Johnston. When you concede 76 goals or whatever it was this season, was it 76 goals? 76 goals this season. You've not had a good season. Jordan Pickford's been a disaster for Everton. He's also conceded 48 goals. And Ramsdale, I mean, could you have had a worse season? Defensively, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ben Chilwell, Connor Cody, Ben Godfrey, good pick, Reese James, Harry Maguire, a doubt with injury. Tyron Mings, dear, dear, dear. Luke Shaw, 
John Stones, Kieran Trippier, Kyle Walker, and Ben White. The disrespect to Ezri Konza is incredible. He has had a better season than any of those central defenders. And why is there four right-backs? Why is there four right-backs? Um, midfield, Jude Bellingham, Jordan Henderson, Jesse Lingard, because he had two good months, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, and James Ward-Prowse. And then in attack, Calvert-Lewin, Foden, Grealish, Greenwood, Kane, Saka, Sancho, Sterling, and Watkins. A little bit surprised by Watkins. He wasn't in particularly good form through the second half of the season. But over the course of the year, I think, you know, he's worthy of at least inclusion in this provisional squad. So this will be pared down, obviously. I think Watkins is one of the obvious ones to go from the attack. I do have a, I do have a feeling that either Grealish or Sancho is going to get left out. I think Ward-Prowse will be the odd man out in midfield. I don't think Cody makes it. I don't think Ben White makes it. I, one of the right backs is going to miss out. And then Ramsdale's the obvious goalkeeper to leave out because there's been more hype around Johnson. He's that bit older as well. But Nick Pope is obviously injured. Um, there's obviously doubts over Maguire and Jordan Henderson. Neither of them anywhere close to fit. I know Henderson was on the bench for Liverpool's last game, but he wasn't going to play regardless of anything. Um, I, I just don't know what more Esri Konza could have done this season. He carried Tyron Mings for the entire year. And Mings gets in the squad and Cons is left out. Connor Cody had a dreadful year. I'm glad to see Ben Godfrey there, though. He's done really well. I'm glad there's no Eric Dyer. Ben White over Lewis Dunk, who was who was just a lot better than him this season, uh, is a weird one. It's it's as we would have expected from Southgate. There's just poor picks. There's a really bad article actually on The Athletic today um, about why Trent isn't suitable for um, for England. And it's it's utter nonsense. It focuses as well on a game that he didn't really play in. I think he came on with 13 minutes left. But yeah, strange. Very, very strange. Uh, we'll jump back around the leagues then. Into Portugal we go, where Sporting have claimed their first title in 20 years. Benfica third after spending all that money. Uh, Porto second. They're your Champions League teams. Benfica will go into the qualifying round, the other two into the group stage. Braga, great season for them. They get uh, Europa League football. They're managed by Carlos Carvial, former um, Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea manager. Uh, Pacos de Ferreira and Santa Clara get into the Conference League. Great achievements for both of them. Nacional and Forense, they go down. Rio Ave will play in the playoffs. Sporting's a great story. One defeat all season. Fantastic football. Concalves the star, but loads of young players that I think you're going to hear a lot of over the next, the next decade, I think. We're going to be seeing some of these guys. Uh, Nuno Mendes, the left back, is an absolute star. He is going to be sensational. 
Um, Eduardo Caresma is one to look out for. He is a, a central, def- central defender, uh, very, very highly rated, very talented player, versatile as well. I think he can play in a two or in a three. And the other defender whose name is escaping me, yeah, uh, Goncalo Inacio, young, another young defender. He's only 19, played 20 games in the league this season. Tremendous, absolutely tremendous. So three young defenders there to keep an eye on. Charisma didn't play nearly as big a role as the other two. Uh, shout out to Sebastian Cuates, former Liverpool player, who captained this team, was the linchpin of the defence and did very, very well. Um, but great to see Sporting. You, you'll hope they'll be able to keep some of that team together. Their manager's already starting to get linked elsewhere. Again, to come up and try and challenge Benfica and Porto, you end up having to sell players afterwards. Mendes has been linked with City, been linked with United. Uh, he's been linked with Liverpool. Cancalves has been linked with a few clubs. So we'll wait and see. Um, but a great story for Porto. And again, another team that sold their best player in Bruno Fernandes, reinvested that money really well, and went on to win the league. Uh, in the Eredivisie, Ajax topped the table 16 points clear of PSV. They're the Champions League teams. AZ Alkmaar in third. Um, they'll get Europa League and then Vitus Arnhem get Europa Conference League. Feyenoord, Utrecht, Groningen and Sparta Rotterdam finished in a playoff to get the other Europa Conference League spot and Feyenoord ended up winning out, beating Utrecht 2-0 in the final, as they called it. I don't know if they got a trophy for that. Uh, it would be quite funny if they did. In Russia... Zenit St. Petersburg, fairly comfortable to the title. Uh, Spartak Moscow in second. They'll make Champions League as well. Lokomotiv Moscow in third. It's the Europa League for them. And then Ruben Kazan and Sochi into the Conference League. Rotter Volgograd and Tambov go down. Zenit are by far the strongest team in the league. They should win the title every season. Again, they have the most money behind them, so... It's not really a surprise that they have success. Um, likewise, in Greece, Olympiakos tend to be the strongest team. Every so often, the likes of AEK Athens will pop up and challenge. But Olympiakos win the title. Champions League for them. And then PAOK, AEK Athens and Aris Thessaloniki uh, into the Conference League. No Europa League spot. That's bizarre. No Europa League spot for Greece. Because they're obviously not considered one of the 15 best leagues or whatever. Which is strange because I think it's a fairly decent league. Um, Turkey, Besiktas win the title on goal difference. Plus 45 to plus 44. Beating out Galatasaray. Fenerbahce finished two points back in third. So it's Besiktas and Galatasaray in the Champions League. Fenner into the Europa League and then Trabzonspor and Sivaspor into the Conference League. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the names of the team that got re- the teams that got relegated. There's not one of them that I'm going to try and pronounce. Now, now we'll move on. Um, so that, that's what I would view as the ten strongest leagues in Europe. Now, obviously, UEFA don't agree on Greece, but that's fine. Eight of those leagues were won by the team with the best defensive record. Six by the team that scored the most goals. So, again, proving 
defense wins titles. There are 54 countries that fall under the UEFA mandate that have a national league. In the latest completed league tables, 39 of them were topped by the team with the best defensive record. Andorra, Albania, Belarus, Belgium, Bulgaria, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Estonia, Faroe Islands, Finland, Georgia, Gibraltar, Greece, Hungary, Iceland, Israel, Kosovo, Latvia, Lithuania, Malta, Moldova, Montenegro, Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, the Republic of Ireland, Russia, San Marino, Scotland, Serbia, Slovakia, Slovenia, Switzerland, Ukraine, and all of the top five leagues with the sole exception of Germany, where the team with the best defence finished. Um, team with the best defence finished second, RB Leipzig. So 15 leagues from the whole of Europe. Al- Armenia, Austria, Azerbaijan, Bosnia, Croatia, Denmark, Germany, Kazakhstan, Luxembourg, Macedonia, Northern Ireland, Poland, Romania, Sweden, Turkey and Wales. They're the 15 leagues where the team with the best defence didn't win the league. So all of them should be thrown out. Um, and I like these other fifth, these other thirty nine. Now San Marino, I will point out, they do a, some of them do this weird second thing and then a playoff thing. So in San Marino, the team that topped the league actually didn't win through in the playoffs. They lost the final, but they did top the league, so that's good enough for me. Defense wins titles. Focus in on your defense. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up with the gossip. Seen a few. Right, welcome back. Um, I've just gotten over the Sam Johnson thing. I can't believe Sam Johnson and Aaron Ramsdale are in the England squad. I genuinely can't. Whatever about, like, if Pope is not fit, I suppose, but, like, there has to be somebody else. Surely there's somebody else, anybody else, that you could pick. Other than the two lads that the primary thing they do is concede goals. I mean, Freddie Woodman's had a really good season again for Swansea. Was he not worth at least a look? I mean, you could call up... I reckon Ben Foster would have come back for this. As a third-choice goalkeeper with experience at big tournaments, Ben Foster would have been well worth bringing along with Pickford and Henderson. Uh, What a nice way it would have been for his career to end as well. He had a great season at Watford. Um, Yeah, staggering stuff. Anyway, we'll wrap up with the gossip. Uh, we've got two days worth because we didn't do yesterday. So we'll start with yesterday's stuff. So Manchester United are monitoring former forward Cristiano Ronaldo's situation at Juventus as agents connected with the Portuguese Portuguese striker says he could genuinely leave the Turin club. As I've said before, I think Juventus will be quite happy for him to leave. Uh, Leeds have agreed a new one-year contract with Marcelo Bielsa with an official announcement we made this week. That would be amazing for them. As long as they get get him done, keep him everything else is just window dressing that is the most important thing for them uh killing mbappe who has one year left on his deal says talks are playing are taking place about his future but he wants to feel like he is somewhere he can win well if you can't win a psg or should i say if psg can't win with you it's definitely time to leave 
Liverpool's hopes of signing Yves Basima from Brighton have been boosted by Arsenal's decision to explore other options. He's a good player. And as a Ginny Wijnaldum replacement, he would make sense. But he's another player they'd lose to AFCON. They'll already lose Salah, Mane, Naby Keita, assuming um, Naby and Mane are still there. And then to lose Basuma as well, it'd just be a bit much. So I wonder if that might push them away from signing him. Unless, if Naby leaves, then it's only three. But I don't think you want to be losing four or, or more members of your squad to AFCON in the middle of the season. Uh, Liverpool's interest in RB Leipzig's French defender Ibrahima Kanate has been complicated by the Bundesliga club's desire to have his... 34 million clause paid in full, so the Reds may turn to Ozan Quebec. We'll we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Um, PSG are among the favourites to sign Ginny Wijnaldum, who is leaving Liverpool as a free agent. Now it's come out that it looks like it's Bayern Munich for him. There may be more on that in today's gossip. Uh, Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel wants Harry Kane, but the Blues are concerned their West London rivals would refuse to do business with them. Well, first of all, um, Mr. Telegraph writer... Tottenham's not in West London, it's in North London. Uh, and secondly, how do you know what Thomas Tuchel wants? Is this Matt Law? This could be Matt Law, in which case it's definitely made up nonsense. Former Chelsea striker Tony Cascarino has tipped Tottenham to change Harry Kane's replacement Spurs. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I don't think that's who they'd go for. Uh, I think they'd want more of a goal scorer than Watkins. Spanish playmaker Juan Mata does not know if he will stay at Manchester United beyond the end of his contract this summer. As a backup for Bruno Fernandes, I mean, he's not a bad player to keep around, you know. Norwich City boss Daniel Farkas says the club will need to be a bit riskier than other clubs in the transfer market if they're to remain in the Premier League. They need to be ambitious this time and not muck about like they did last time and not sign anybody. Arsenal have been linked with Roma's Cengiz Under, who spent the season on loan at Leicester. AC Milan and Borussia Dortmund are also interested in the Turkish winger. I would doubt it, given how, how badly that loan spell went. Arsenal already have players that play the same position as him in, in Pepe and Saka, so they won't have interest. I don't see Dortmund wanting him. Milan maybe, but I, I reckon it'd be a loan. Barcelona have taken an interest in Atalanta and Germany left-back Robin Gosens who's been linked with Manchester City, Inter Milan, Juventus, and AC Milan. He would be an incredible fit at Inter Milan in Simeone's, in Conte's system. Barca should take an interest in their balance sheet and finding ways to repay their debt, not adding to it. Real Madrid will look to sell Danny Ceballos this summer, but Arsenal won't pursue a permanent move. That's the first good thing I've seen about Arsenal in a while. Uh, Danny Ceballos has not worked there. He didn't work there last season. The decision to bring him back was foolish. And he's had a dreadful season for them. Bournemouth want to keep United States defender Cameron Carter-Vickers on a permanent deal after his loan spell from Tottenham, but face competition from Newcastle and Anderlecht. It's quite a strange group of clubs to be after the same player. Um, I would say Bournemouth is the best fit for him. I think Championship is about his level right now. But he is talented. He's very aggressive. Great athleticism. Reads the game quite well. The partnership with him and Lloyd Kelly is 
it's interesting. They it's a little bit on the short side. Um, I thought Ivan Tony bullied them a little bit at the weekend. Cam, Cameron Carter Vickers is six foot, uh, and I think Lloyd Kelly's about five ten, five eleven. Uh, yeah, he's five ten. Now, obviously, Chris Metham tends to start, but he's he's a calamity waiting to happen a lot of times. And um, the only yeah, the only question mark I would have over over Carter Vickers and Kelly as a pair is the lack of height. Now Kelly is is nominally a left back by nature, so he could play there um with Carter Vickers beside Metham and maybe that's probably the best thing going forward. But I I do think it would be a smart move for all parties if he stayed there uh next season, even if it's just another loan. Uh Former Napoli, well, soon to be former Napoli manager Gennaro Gattuso has been identified as Juventus' first choice replacement for Andrea Pirlo. Are they trying to remain poor? Is that what the plan is? To just, just stay fourth and maybe bottle it on the final day? Um, Atalanta boss Gian Piero Gasparini, whose side was beaten by Juve in the Coppa Italia final, is also among the possible targets to replace Pirlo. He would be really interesting with a proper budget behind him, but I don't think he'd leave. And Zinedine Zidane will hold talks in his about his future in the coming days. Uh, on to today's gossip then. Borussia Dortmund have told England midfielder Jadon Sancho he can leave the club this summer. I think everybody's known that for a while. Ali Gunnar Solskjaer has made Sancho a priority this summer, despite some of his players lobbying for the club to sign Aston Villa and England midfielder Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish does not make sense for United at all. At all. He's not going to play as a 10 because you've already got Bruno and you've got Donny van der Beek. So you play him left wing. Well, you're going to need to use that spot for Rashford and Pogba throughout the season as well. Grealish is incredibly ball dominant, which he's not going to be able to be at United. I don't think they get either of them. I also don't think Sancho's a priority. I think this is just a telegraph pretending to know things they don't know, basing it on the likes of the spoofer with the catchphrase and others. I I think their priority has to be centre-back and holding midfield. Get a a quality holding midfielder in there, and maybe you can play Pogba in a two, and maybe that frees things up. But I I don't think they're going to sign Sancho or Grealish, if I'm honest. Some figures at Tottenham think they should try to reappoint Maurizio Pochettino as their next manager. Pochettino could be open to return. I doubt it. He's only six months into his time at PSG. I doubt he's going to be open to doing anything. Uh, Real Madrid are willing to op- to listen to offers for Gareth Bale and Eden Hazard this summer. I'd imagine, I'd imagine they are. Both have been uh, a mess for them for the last couple of years. Obviously, Bale had great success early on. But he earns half a million a week and nobody's going to give them money for him. So they're going to have to give him away and pay a load of his wages. Hazard has been a disaster, an unmitigated disaster since going there. Apparently he wants to move back to Chelsea. Um, You could see Chelsea pushing for that. Uh, Tottenham plan to sell England midfielder Delhi Ali. Uh, I doubt it. This is from... This is from Football Insider, which I believe is just an account. So it's a website, Football Insider 24-7. 
Uh, it's a website based on rumors and nonsense. I don't think it's based on anything factual. Wayne, well, Wayne Vesey's the guy who's put his name to this, and he is a, a longtime spoofer, so we'll just laugh that off and we'll move forward. Um, Luis Suarez says he'll stay at La Liga Champions Atletico Madrid despite a link to a return to Liverpool. I don't think there's ever anything in that link. I can't imagine Liverpool looking at a 34-year-old Suarez and thinking, yeah, that's what we're going to do next. Uh, Oscar-winning producers are committed to a box office film about Jamie Vardy. Okay. That doesn't seem like something that's going to be, you know, a big box office hit. To me, anyway. It just seems like, like, it seems like we've kind of seen that film before. Weren't the goal films kind of the same kind of story? Um, Juventus are open to selling Aaron Ramsdale. They better be open to paying him to go away because nobody's going to want him. Not at a fee. Not on the money he's on anyway. Not how poor he's been for you. Barcelona are preparing to offer a new contract to Usman Dembele, whose current contract expires next summer. Uh, rightly so. They spent $105 million on them. They've got to keep some value in them. Uh, Barcelona and Bayern Munich are both trying to sign Ginny Wijnaldum. It does look like Ginny Wijnaldum is going to go to Bayern. Uh, Leeds have held talks with Noah Lang, who has helped Club Bruges win the Belgian title this season. He'd be a very, very good signing for Leeds. And they could do it one more out wide. It'll be interesting to see what to do with Jack Harrison. Wolves are in talks with Bruno Lago. We know that. Um, Newcastle boss Steve Bruce has made it clear he will ask for money to spend in this summer transfer window with a move for Joe Willock, his main priority. And rightly so, but Celtic, like I said before, will be stupid to allow him to leave. Newcastle are also to revive their interest in Oliver Nitcham. He's a good player. He's a good player. He hasn't had a great spell at Marseille because when he arrived, the um, the whole thing kicked off with Vias Boas. And Vias Boas basically quit and used the signing of Nitcham as, um, as an excuse. He played four games in the lead, six in all competitions. And it just was, it started badly and just got worse for him. Uh, Matt Ryan has suggested he could prolong his spell at Arsenal after his loan spell came to an end. I think Arsenal should be looking slightly higher, if I'm being honest. I think they should be looking slightly higher. AC Milan are close to signing 25-year-old French goalkeeper Mike Magnon in a move that could lead to Gigi Donnarumma's departure. Now, it looks like Donnarumma will go to Juventus. Magnon's a very good keeper, and there's another one of that Lille team who will just leave. Uh, 15 million, apparently, is the fee. It's a bargain for a goalkeeper of his quality. And Hakan Chalanoglu's contract at AC Milan runs out this summer, but he says he has not decided his future and wants to concentrate on the Euros. He's an interesting player. As a goal-scoring midfielder, he can add a lot to teams, but he's a little bit of an awkward fit. He's a quality player, though. He'll definitely have interest. So, on Canate, it does look like Liverpool have that deal done. Looks like they're going to pay a little bit more than the buyout in order to be able to pay instalments. Uh, the contract and everything with him is agreed. He's had part of his medical, and it looks like he will have the rest of it this week and could well be wrapped up and signed in the next couple of days. All going well. Uh, that is it, then. That is our show for today. Uh, nothing else to cover. 
the England squad is strange. Uh, Patrick Bamford, I think, is a uh, is a snub. Um, Eric Dyer, nobody said be surprised. So Nick Pope is actually due to have knee surgery, which is the issue for him. So he's missing out through injury. James Madison, I mean, he did miss quite a bit of the season. So it's not a huge surprise that he's missed out. Grealish is in. Madison's not going to get him alongside him. Um, Eric Dyer doesn't deserve to be in. But Bamford, I think Bamford should have gotten that, that other striker spot. Over Ollie Watkins, I would have put Bamford in. Um, so seven have to be cut from that. So I, I assume it'll be Ramsdale, Cody, White, Ward-Prowse, Watkins. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Trent and Sancho. It really wouldn't surprise me if he drops Trent and Sancho. He's a PE teacher. That's the show. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.